Thank you for pressing play on episode 106 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for this episode, I spoke with Sam Bam Colton. He plays for Dorothy, Faster Pussycat, also Butterside, and recently Josie Scott, the former lead singer for Saliva. So he's got quite the resume. We kind of bounce around through all the points of all the different bands he's played with and even get into some Jurassic Park movie moments as well. I think Sam's a cool guy. Hopefully you enjoy this episode, and I'm very appreciative of Sam taking the time to speak with me. So enjoy episode 106 of A-Sides. Hold on to your butts. And cue music. It and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You're selling it. Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Hey, Sam. So, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? First off, I'm so sorry. A water pipe broke. So oh, that's shit. been fun for the last uh, uh, tw- 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, like it literally broke like in the last like hour? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So trying to uh, figure that out because uh, my buddy Fitz works with tracy guns and they're on the kiss cruise right now and he usually kind of fixes everything but i can't get a hold of him uh because he's on the cruise so i'm texting guys in the band like hey can you relay this message to fitz and see if i need to get a a plumber if he can fix this when he gets back saturday so oh shit shit are you in an apartment then or in a house or uh no no in a house Okay. Yeah. I'm in an apartment and I had something like a year ago where I woke up at like five in the morning just to go to the bathroom and like my whole bathroom floor was wet. Like I had an inch of water and I guess the lady that lives above me, she had something going on, like a pipe burst or something. So uh, Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good, but not fun. But it's all it's all good. We're gonna get it all figured out. You don't have a mess to clean up, do you? No. Luckily, uh, uh, I don't think so. I don't uh, know. All the water, the water issue was like outside. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know if it burst inside, but I was thinking this was like a good icebreaker though. Cause you were like, oh, sorry, man. But I only have done like about 20 of these on my own or so. And I mostly talk to friends, but anyways, I talked to Scott Stevens. Like I hit him up on Instagram oh. like a year ago, like the yeah. songwriter producer guy. And uh, yeah, I know him. I just um, met him actually. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Because cool. Uh, he, he worked with Dorothy. Yeah, was that at the Louder Than Life thing? Because I know he showed up at yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you had him on? Yeah, I talked to him like a year ago, and I was so nervous to talk to him. And I told my girlfriend, I was like, oh, man, like I hope he ghosts me or something. And he didn't, but. <laughs> yeah, he was really nice. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Because I feel like I get nervous. Like I don't really like being like a host. You have no reason to be nervous, though. I'm nervous. Oh, well, why? You're trying to make me feel better. I say I'm nervous all the time. I'm nervous basically anytime I don't have a guitar on. So, oh, really? I could grab one and maybe get less nervous, oh. but no, it's fine. 
why is that though um does the guitar do something is that like your superpower or your super identity or something i don't know i just say that in life in general i'm always just kind of like uh you know except for when i'm on stage or whatever that's kind of the place i feel whatever people are asking about do i get nervous before i play or whatever it's like no because uh when i'm playing that's about the only time that i actually am comfortable and not nervous so sounds like you've had a guitar in your hand since you've been at a young age too i guess that's where i'll start like i was doing like research like i found like another podcast that you did and you had played shows when you were a teenager and going to bars and then doing school and your parents are really supportive of that like but i guess how were you able to balance those two things that was always kind of easy for me because i, I did well in school i always needed to do well in school too to be able to go out and and play the bars and stuff but it was always i always kind of did well in school so i started playing bars at a at a young age from going to open mic nights uh, the first time i think was when i was like 12 Damn. and then started going to bars and and sitting in with people mostly the open mic night thing but that lasted for a few years and then uh started doing gigs probably by the time i was 14 or 15 gigs in the bars even though i was already kind of gigging with my first band when i was like 13 it just seems like a lot to juggle because when i was like that age like i just worked a summer job and i didn't have a job during the school year it, it maybe it prepped me for the rest of my life of trying to juggle my life <laughs> yeah really because you're in... but but oh. the juggling the juggling thing that's always kind of i've always done that i've always needed to have a few things going on in general yeah because you're in dorothy faster pussycat butterside and then now just within talking to you through messages and stuff you had a gig with josie scott too yeah so juggling <laughs> yeah man that's a huge schedule like you've been out on the road like nonstop this year it's been a crazy year. I felt, I feel like this year has uh, been trying to not only make for make up for COVID, but uh, for every day off I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but um, now, now it sounds like we're gonna have a little bit of little bit of time off, which oh. is cool. Uh, there's a couple one-off things with Dorothy. Uh, I think probably within the next couple months, and there's uh, nothing really on the books for pussycat until we go to australia in january uh we're gonna work on some more new songs in the meantime but uh and butterside is gonna work on some new stuff but i think uh the touring is slowing down for the rest of the year i'm actually kind of excited about that <laughs> to get to be home for a minute oh yeah so when you're doing all these bands like how often do you guys like get a chance to rehearse or anything it's hard to say i mean you do rehearsals before we go out on a tour so with Pussycat, we probably only do like, we'll do two or three as a full band tops, probably two tops as a full band. Maybe we get together without uh, Tammy, the singer. Uh, we might get together without him just to like dust off the cobwebs for for the rest of the guys. Uh, for me, I feel like, I mean, I haven't done the gig uh, since, well, the, I say since the end of August, but since, for two months, two months ago was my last gig with them. But I feel like I could jump in right now and do the show. So, but yeah, but then with Dorothy, we did like a week of rehearsals, but we also had a different bass player on this last tour. So 
know, it, it depends. It depends on the gig and it depends on what the situation is. Bringing in a different player requires a little more rehearsing, but uh, then just kind of recharging, recalling. That's the recalling uh, that goes a little quicker. Is that kind of like you said, you're more, I guess, maybe more confident when you got your guitar. Is it like just kind of come to you like muscle memory or something once you're up there? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, when I go to Pussycat, it's like, okay, now we're playing Cat House and Jack the Bastard. And I go to Dorothy and it's like, okay, we're playing these songs. And then I come back to Butterside. And then it's like, you know, it's just, it's all, I don't know. It's all natural. I don't really think of anything. I just feel like I play differently for all the different things, try to hopefully play appropriately for all the different gigs. It's never really been that difficult of a thing to me mentally. How'd you get the Sam Bam nickname? That it- was uh, when I was a kid playing with my first band. I guess everybody uh, in the band had sort of nicknames, I guess. And that's what they gave me. That's what I... That's what kind of just happened. And uh, I wasn't into it. I was like, ah, I think it's stupid. <laughs> and then uh, it kind of just went with it and made it uh, my name on Facebook. Then I guess when I started playing bars and stuff, that's kind of what everybody would call me, which is Sam Bam and not even use the last name. Hmm. So I've kind of stuck with that. And I put it on my picks like that i just signed my name uh just sam bam because honestly most people can't spell my last name because there's a few different ways to spell colton uh and it's k-o-l-t-u-n and it's just kind of like it kind of it's kind of just worked because i guess it was memorable for for some people but then at the same time it worked for me because then it's not misspelling my last name so i've kind of just stuck with it it seems really distinctive too like i guess there's like wham bam so like sam bam kind of kind of rolls off your tongue yeah that's probably partially why i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) as a kid but yeah yeah. no you know now it's like now today it's like if it helps people if it's if it's memorable for people and uh, if anybody cares, it's like, oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. So I'm like, I, you know, I was, I was thinking before, I'm like, ah, do I really want to be like 47 years old one day and still be being like, yeah, Sam Bam. But I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. It's just stuff. Uh, that's just people can call me whatever they want. <laughs> I saw that you are from the St. Louis area. Yeah. So you grow up on, I guess, what's the station? Like the Point 1057? Yeah. Cause it was really, it was, it was the point and there was a uh, KC 95. So you could listen to KC 95. If you want to hear Sammy Hagar and more than a feeling uh, by Boston all day long. Or if you wanted to hear other rock stuff, you listen to uh, the point. And that's kind of more where I was living. Oh yeah. Um, our radio station up here, actually I'm in Peoria, Illinois and our station's one Oh five, seven too. But Oh, uh, oh, cool. I just thought that was kind of interesting when I found out that uh, the St. Louis Rock Station was the exact same. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I've always loved the point. I don't really know what they play now because anytime I've been home recently, I never really listened to the radio. But 
Uh, but I, it's it's always been great. And what bands on the station back then influenced you when you were growing up? It was like Shine Down and Seether and Three Days Grace and bands like that. Just kind of the modern, well, at the time, I guess, was considered active rock, Breaking Benjamin, Avenged Sevenfold, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I guess if I can ask, like, how old are you then? Because that's kind of the era that I kind of, I guess, grew up with, too, was with those bands. I'm 27. Oh, okay. I'm uh, 38, so I guess a little out of that range. But I just think it's kind of interesting, though, because everybody that I've talked to or my circle of friends, they're all older. So they all grew up on, you know, Kiss, Aerosmith, and all that stuff in the 70s and 80s, and I'm a little bit younger so my era was like, I guess, the new metal kind of earlier 2000s. I have a lot of that, so. too. And um, I love a lot of music from I love a lot of everything. You know, that's just what really I got drawn to. But uh, very much soon after that was also like Judas, all about Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and Dio and Ozzy solo stuff and Motorhead and all those bands it really quickly shifted to to that uh not shifted but it was you know adding those in addition uh also when i was like 15 um and i've just then i discovered alice in chains and then oh, right uh, on. them and monster magnet have been my two favorite bands oh cool uh, for since since i discovered them what what stands out to you about Alice in Chains, like the oh, Jerry Cantrell? Everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, mostly Jerry Cantrell, yeah, but everything. I mean, I listen to everything when I listen to them. I listen to the bass. I listen to the drums. I listen to I just like, you know, listening for everything. But it's really the biggest parts of it are uh, the songwriting, the riffs, and Jerry Cantrell, which – all kind of fall under Jerry Cantrell. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's basically his band, but I mean, I think William Duvall kind of filled the shoes pretty well. Yeah, everybody, it's, you know, it's not Alice in Chains without Jerry for sure, but I'd also don't feel like it it would be Alice in Chains without Sean Kenny on drums. Yeah. And obviously Mike Inez uh, came in after Mike Starr and William Duvall came in after lane i've always loved what william duvall brings to the band uh i mean to be fair for my age when i first discovered alice chains that's how i discovered them that's how they were that's how i knew them was him because i started watching the live videos and i realized oh wait there was somebody else and then discovered lane and how incredible he was but uh i've always been a fan of what William Duvall brings to the table with that band. I guess you do bring up a good point because, yeah, I mean, when I was getting into them too, I mean, like they kind of didn't exist for like a long time. Right. Yeah, because they didn't exist. At least five or like, six years yeah. in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say because they came back in like 2006, Yeah, I think. So at least maybe six, five, six, seven years they didn't exist. So what was it about Monster Magnet that stood out to you? That band is just, I've always loved that band. Ever since I was a little kid, I think uh, I think a family member had given 
us uh, two of their CDs, the uh, Power Trip CD and the Monolithic CD, which I still have. And um, I just always loved that band since I was a kid, since <laughs> maybe even before I started playing guitar, which was when I was 10. So uh, just for some reason, just the sound, the sound of it, the riffs, the the stoneriness, I guess, of it, of the riffs. I don't really know how to, the Sabbathiness of it, I should say, because I'm not, I don't uh, smoke or anything, even though I just like that stoner rock kind of thing. But just the guitar tones and the playing and the just the songs and everything, I've just always loved. Well, how did you go from, I guess, that, like the, what we were talking about, the rock we're talking about from the 90s to Faster Pussycat? It's kind of like a different sound. Is there a way that you yeah, just I mean, audition for the band or were they always on your radar too as a band you listened to before that? No, I mean, I didn't, I had only known about them really because my friend Ace was the guitar player. I mean, I had heard of the name from being in LA, of course, because it's, it's very much, it's still like, like we played the whiskey two months ago and it was sold out over capacity. Like it's still very much a thing here. And then in some of the circles I was playing in, I had heard the band name, but I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the music really. I'd heard a song or two. When Ace called me up, he had texted me and said that he wasn't going to be able to do some dates. And he asked if I wanted to fill in for him. And I was like, yeah, of course, it'd be awesome. So I had to learn all the stuff, Um, but then getting into it, I realized it's much more kind of just rock and roll stuff than it is really. It's got the 80s stigma to it because it came out in the 80s, of course. But uh, the riffs and the playing and stuff is really just like rock and roll stuff. And then, um, you know, the Power and the Glory Hole album kind of falls in line kind of with what I like, you know. So, Tammy, when we're working together, it's kind of, you know, it's, I feel like we work, oh, you know, decently together because uh, we both kind of like a bit of everything. I guess, yeah, like a lot of those 80s bands, if you stripped away the, the hair or the outfits, it was just rock and roll like anything else. Yeah, kind of. With Pussycat, there's a lot of songs like Got No Room for Emotion and Friends where that really have like a, like a Stonesy thing to it. And... uh I mean, naturally, got your number off the bathroom wall. I mean, yes, that's super 80s and you know, cat house and slip of the tongue. All that stuff is is fairly 80s-ish. But then where there's a whip, there's a way. It's just a rad rock song. Or uh, don't change that song. It's just a rad rock song. You said Ace. Is that like that Ace Von Johnson? Yes. I, I should have named his full name. My apologies. Oh, okay. But yes, Ace Von Johnson. Ace Von Johnson, who... He had been with the band uh, almost 10 years. I think it was nine, nine and a half years. I went in to sub for him because he had gotten the gig with LA Guns. So he was doing guitar duties with Tracy Guns, which he is still doing. He had some conflicting dates. Uh, and then it kind of became more apparent that he wasn't going to be able to juggle the two things. Uh, the guys had asked if I wanted to stay. And I was like, sure, I'll keep doing the gigs. So I'm still been with the band like three and a half years now oh cool good for you man thank you i guess that seems to be the thing is like 
everybody's playing like multiple bands like everybody's got side hustles pretty much everybody yeah. all the way up to somebody like slash you know he's back in guns and roses but then he has his yeah solo thing also just because he constantly wants to work i personally like juggling the different projects and i'm gonna do it until i'm not able to anymore i mean there might be some stuff for somebody that i have to miss and maybe i can come back uh I don't really know, um, but my plan is to at least juggle uh, everything until I can't anymore. I guess one that does come to my mind right now is like, I found out about that Ace, because he would always pop up in a, another guy that I follow, his like feed, like Tony Higby, and that guy's got like, yeah. he was doing uh, he was doing Damon Johnson and then Brother Kane and then uh, Tom Kiefer, and he seems to slide back and forth kind of seamlessly like that. Yeah, and Tony's Tony's a great friend. I love Tony very much. Yeah, so it's just everybody's kind of uh, juggles things. I mean, for me personally, I like it because it keeps it interesting. I know that Tony, like I haven't really yeah. talked to him a whole lot, but he was actually the first guy I talked to on this podcast. So I think he's also from Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's from uh, Monmouth. So yeah, because there is... Yeah, because with me, him, and uh, Chad Stewart, uh, Faster Pussycats drummer, we were all like, oh, there's like this little trio of Midwest here. Yeah. Because <laughs> Chad's from Ohio. So oh, cool. A little, little bit of uh, Midwest on the tour that never ended. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that, like like the Midwest, when you were growing up, like, did you ever uh, see a lot of concerts back then, like at the arena or the pageant or any of those venues? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, my first concert was uh, the band In Excess when they got their new lead singer from that TV show. Uh, that The TV show Rockstar In Excess is what made me want to start playing guitar. Oh, cool. And then I saw uh, In Excess with their new lead singer at uh, the arena in St. Charles called St. Charles Family Arena. And then uh, definitely saw a lot of other bands. I remember seeing uh, Breaking Benjamin and Three Days Grace pretty early on at the amphitheater. I remember seeing All American Rejects at the pageant going to, I'm not sure what the first show I ever went to at the pageant was, but I remember, I think the first show that I ever went to at what is now called Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, which used to be Verizon Wireless Amphitheater when I was a kid, which then to everybody else is Riverport. Yeah. Uh, I believe my first concert there was Breaking Benjamin and Three Days Grace in 2006. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I always kind of ask that as a question, like what was your first concert or any concert memories like that? Those so, are the ones I can remember. What was your first CD? I'm not sure. There was a lot of LimeWire in my household. <laughs> so my dad was big on the LimeWire thing, so... Uh, maybe my first CDs were those Monster Magnet CDs. That's what my answer should probably be. I'm not sure. It might oh. be those. Um, well, those would be a good choice. Yeah. Do you have like a record collection? I'm starting one. Yeah, I've got a got a little vinyl collection starting. Uh, I mean, I'm I, I can't even call it that though when I'm friends with guys like uh, Ace and Tony Higby because those guys are that's vinyl collecting to the max. Yeah, like I was just going to say, because uh, that's what Tony does like before shows, right? He hits up record stores in every town he's in. Him and Ace, and those two are 
those two it's fun to watch it's fun to watch them but uh you know i'm just now kind of getting into the game because i i moved and i have some space and i lived in a pretty small apartment so i was like oh i tried to not really get anything you know because i'm like oh i don't have the room but now i have some room so now i'm like oh, okay well i'm gonna start getting some stuff and uh ace von johnson graciously gifted me a record player and oh, nice. uh so kind of getting that whole thing started oh cool I guess it's probably hard too with like being out on the road all the time. You wouldn't really get a chance to like play them, but it is a little bit. Yeah. I mean, cause I've been gone now we're October. So uh, I've been gone on the road pretty much since March, kind of like stuff started picking up in February really. So, but on the road pretty much since March up until a couple days ago. Uh, so it'll be nice to just be able to do some, some local stuff where you get to come home to your own bed. Oh after. yeah. 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 That's gotta be a good, feeling. I love being on tour too. I love being on tour too, but now uh, living in a different space in a different situation. It's like, uh, I like the idea of getting to be home for a little bit and enjoy this. It's probably hard to sleep on one of those bunks. Well, it depends on the bus and it depends on the driver. So if you have a good driver, which, uh, this last tour, we had a great driver. Uh, the Faster Pussycat tour, uh, not this last one, but the last year, we did not have such a great driver. Mm. So that really kind of impacts the sleep heavily. Um, but with a good driver, I sleep in a bunk great. I mean, it's just, it's, you get a little area coffin area and you got a mattress and and it's cold in there in theory and uh it's it's great after my first tour ever actually uh when i was 19 or 20 i did that and then i got home and i had to buy blackout curtains <laughs> for my apartment because because you're you sleep and you sleep with a little curtain and it's super dark it's just cold and dark and everything you want it to be when you sleep <laughs> so i try to recreate that i guess that's space. something you don't think of just being like somebody like me like yeah like i go sleep in a bed but you're at the mercy of who's ever um driving so you're at the mercy of a lot of things yeah but that's what uh that's what tour is yeah. you know that's why we're that's why I say we're a traveling circus because it's just <laughs> with oh, the Dorothy yeah, camp, a, everything's yeah. pretty chill and it's a, it's a dry bus with, with faster. It's also a dry bus, but, uh, but with Dorothy, nobody really drinks or parties all that much. Everybody's fairly responsible with it. So, um, you don't really deal with much of, of that stuff on the bus or anything, but with uh, pussycat, yeah, you got, you got some guys passing out in the front lounge or you got mm -hmm. some guys getting dragged on the bus because they can't walk every day is an adventure. Did you get to see like this year? Did you get to see any like cities like that you toured to? Did you actually get to see anything other than yeah. like, being in the venue? Yeah. There, yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of time, especially on the Dorothy tours. So the one that didn't spring and the one that we just did, with that camp, there's such thing as organization, which is mm -hmm. an interesting thing. So you have this thing called master tour where you have a schedule 
and you know when things are happening. But with Dorothy, we're playing a lot of venues that were like in cities, uh, like especially on the spring tour, we did like Chicago and uh, on this last tour, we did New York. And uh, we had days actually on all three tours. I had time in New York, uh, which was so much fun. And um, yeah, there was a lot of time to see some stuff, which was really, really great. Dorothy's drummer, Jake, he always gets up and gets out. And I always like envy that because I can't wake up early in the day or morning, really. But he would just always get up and go out and walk uh, or go do a hike or go see things. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, my amount of seeing things was, was limited because I don't get out of bed till like you know, 12 or 1. Well, I did think of something silly. Before we started recording, I actually went down the road and grabbed Chick-fil-A for dinner. And it's kind of a guilty pleasure sometimes. And it made me think, do you have any kind of fast food guilty pleasures that maybe you have when you're out on the road or even when you're back at home? <laughs> I mean, I try my best to try to not eat fast food. Yeah. I try to eat green stuff as much as I can or try to, I just try to avoid it. I don't know if I really have any fast food guilty pleasures. I mean, other than maybe once a year, I'll try to hit a white castle if I'm in the area. <laughs> I did uh, try when uh, I was in Memphis, I did try crystals for crystal, which everybody in the Midwest likes to make everything plural. But like White Castle, it's White Castle, singular. Uh, crystal, it's Crystal, singular, not plural. Um, but uh, Crystal, it's basically kind of tastes like White Castle. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just to debunk the myth for anybody, it's still the same shitty after feeling. <laughs> still feel just about as bad for both. Uh, so I guess that's probably be the guilty pleasure. I mean, or my other... I guess it's not totally fast food, but love Jersey Mike's for sandwiches. But Dorothy's drummer as well. I'm just completely throwing him under the bus here. But uh, <laughs> uh, Jake, he, he'll have the tendency to Uber Eats Taco Bell after the shows. He has spent so much money on Uber Eating Taco, Taco Bell that it's just like crazy. Have you ever had a Taco John's? I have not, but I've oh, okay. heard of it. Oh, okay, because that's kind of like my guilty pleasure. Like I try not to um, even go near that. It's like a love-hate thing. Yeah, I've heard of it. But again, I really try to avoid fast food if I can. If I have to eat fast food, maybe yeah. I'll get like Wendy's because they have baked potatoes. And uh, just try to try to eat good as much as I can, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really as fun that way, but at the same time, it's like you know, at least you feel better. Yeah, true. You don't want to feel like shit when you got to get up on stage. Yeah, I actually did have Chris. I never heard of Crystal until this year. My girlfriend and I were driving through Tennessee, and she was like, "We have to get that." And I was like, "Well, what is it?" And she mentioned it was like White Castle, and I'm like, "No, I'm not even stopping there." But I did have it, but it was gross. You know, it's and I just got to be honest. I know this is not the thing, but again, even when I go to White Castle, it's not the burgers for me. I like everything other than the burgers. Just those little, I just can't, can't get on board 
with it. And I know that's just completely wrong in all, every way to look at it uh, to most people. But I love the chicken sandwiches. I love the fish sandwiches. I love the chicken rings, all the, basically everything else on the menu. Are the chicken things, are they little sliders too? Like the little crystal? Yeah. The, yeah. The chicken sliders. Yeah. Yeah. Like crystal too. Yeah. And then there's a fish slider too, where it's a, you know, fried fish. Speaking of the Dorothy tour and I saw you in Joliet and I noticed up on top of the amps, there was little dinosaurs up there. And then when I followed you on Instagram, yeah. you're a Jurassic Park fan. Yeah. Um, did you see the new one from this year? I have. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of the new I one? I liked it. So there's stuff about it that I liked and stuff about it that I didn't like. But really what I didn't like, uh, other than, you know, like, you know, Chris Pratt is okay. But uh, the mostly the the editing and kind of the, oh, I just thought of the term of it the other day and now I can't remember it. The, uh, just the quick, the quick editing really, because there's, um, say if it was if it was the first jurassic park movie the original movie yeah uh you know when when the cars flip over the side or you see all everything about the kids getting out of the car right you see alan grant climb the tree <laughs> get the kid out of the car then the car starts falling down like you see everything but then with the new movie there's some scene where i guess the car flips off i've only seen it once uh so i haven't have i don't have the you know like the i'm just going off of my memory from seeing it the first time but uh, the car flips off the side and then the kid starts coming to and he, she sees that her parents are outside and then the parents start walking towards and then she's already getting out of the car there's no like oh you know she had to you know try to eject herself out of the car get out of the seat belt and like climb out it was like you know one scene she's hanging in the car and then they show the other people walking towards the car and then the next thing they show she's already climbing out of it so little stuff like that there's a few spots in the movie like that that just bugged me but that's just a general thing about new new movies that i've seen i guess it's just an editing yeah a lot of like quick cuts and stuff too it's like yeah that kind of stuff yeah but um but yeah, for the most part, I liked it. I thought there was a good amount of action. And, you know, I didn't really feel like it was very concluding to be the conclusion to the Jurassic series. But like, yeah, but I still liked it. I still liked it. I guess I was kind of hoping there would have been more of the uh, dinosaurs in our world. But it kind of like went to that island and it just went to another like park. Center. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was going to be, especially with how the second Jurassic World ended, I thought there was going to be a whole kind of thing, you know. But I guess there's a whole kind of thing in the extended edition uh, that's Hmm. out, uh, something like that. But every single one kind of introduced new dinosaurs, which is cool because you got to have, you know, something different. It's like, oh, shoot, the T-Rex has got to fight this now. But, uh, like, every single one, it's like, oh, all of a sudden... It's just like these new ones, like in this one, in the new one, there was kind of all these, there's a couple different like feathery dinosaurs, which is like, okay, that's probably more what they actually kind of looked like, but you never saw any of that in the first three movies. 
yeah. personal. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> rambling now, but yes, I am a Jurassic Park fan. So I believe that first movie, the Steven Spielberg movie, came out before you were born. It came out in 92 or 93, yeah. I think. I'm pretty sure it's 92, and I was born in 95. Yeah, so so it was you, out. I don't know when I just... I'm not sure. I can't remember. I can't remember. But I remember falling in love with it, and I always remember that Jurassic Park 3 was my favorite one, which to some people gets a, a an arousing boo, and to oh, other people man. they're like, oh, that's my favorite one too. So, Yeah, like, like a buddy of mine who's younger in his 20s, he said that he said he liked the third one a lot too. That was his favorite, and I kind of did the same thing like, oh, whatever, and rolled my eyes, but I watched it. A DVD, like maybe a year ago or something, the pandemic's um, era kind of, you know. Gave you a lot of time for things. Yeah, and everything kind of runs together now, too. But, uh. Right. I did go back and I watched that. It actually wasn't as bad as I remembered. And there's, I don't know if you remember this scene. Well, obviously you would, because you just said you dug it. But I cracked up where the, I think it was a dinosaur, like the T Rex or something. He had eaten somebody and then he must have eaten his cell phone. So they hear like a cell phone ringing and they look over oh, and there's yeah. a dinosaur yeah. over there. It was like silly, but it was like, I don't know. It was a good scene. Oh, well, see that. I'll explain it. Uh, <laughs> the Spinosaurus, the one with the fin on its back, had eaten the pilot. Remember that? So the, yeah, the, yeah. the pilot of the plane, they ate him because the guy who uh, lured everybody to the island to look for their son he had loaned him his satellite phone. So when the guy got eaten, he had the satellite phone. So then they had to dig through the dinosaur poop to find the satellite phone. <laughs> but the other dinosaur that came up to them is not the same dinosaur. That's another dinosaur. Oh. Like that was another one. And he smelled how horrible the, the dino uh, poop smelled and uh, then walked away. Didn't even bother eating them. So. Oh, all right. I guess that's all blending in my head, but... <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 explained. <laughs> Debunked. I guess I was going to ask which one your favorite one is from the series, but... Uh... It's still the third one. I mean, yeah. the original yeah. The original really is so is so great. I love the original three, uh, but the third one out of the original three has always kind of been my favorite, so I still have to go with that, even though I know it's a semi-unpopular opinion, but I, I got to go with that. It's the one you grew up with, I guess. I probably yeah. saw that one in the theater. I always go with that, too, almost. Like, I get so much crap for it, but I really like Ghostbusters, too. And it was right. the same thing. I saw that in the theater. I was, like, five years old or something, so it always stands out to me. Right. I'm going to post this after Halloween, but Halloween hasn't happened yet. Like, do you have any, like, memories growing up with Halloween? Yeah. I mean, what what kind of memories? Are we going like kid memories or like recent memories or? I guess like costumes. I was definitely, I have photographic evidence of being a dinosaur as a kid. <laughs> uh, I was a dinosaur at some point. I was Barney at some point as a little kid. I was a pirate as a little kid. Only because I, I know I have these pictures in my phone somewhere, so I've seen them. Uh, I know that... In recent times, I was the Joker. I think that's the last time I had to dress up for something. I was maybe the Joker. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really uh, 
I'm not really great at being creative at Halloween stuff. I I love Halloween in general, just the whole vibe and the time of year and everything. Uh, but yeah, my creativity for for costumes is kind of limited, and I get lazy and I'm like, ah, you know, okay, I'll spray my hair some color or whatever. So uh, I'll just buy one that's already like a costume, right? From the... No, not really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We can talk uh, a costume-related thing uh, with Butterside. We filmed a video about a year ago. Actually, a year ago it came out uh, oh. for our song Ghost Lighting, and we were all the Scooby-Doo characters. So there was five of us. There's five of us, and we were the five Scooby-Doo characters in this video that actually took place in the house that I live in now. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was abandoned then. We, we filmed a, a video at this house and we were all the Scooby-Doo characters and uh, it goes back and forth between that and some, some playing scenes. I was Velma. <laughs> I'll have to check that out after, after we're done here. But yeah, that is what I wrote down. It was fun. We like, we, we think it's pretty funny. So hopefully other people think yeah. it is too. I guess that's what I wrote down. Yeah. Favorite uh, costume. I wouldn't call that my favorite, but it's, it's yeah. something that I've had to do in my life. Was Barney your favorite? Sure, at that oh. time, yeah. Oh. When I was two, when I was <laughs> two or three, yeah. Which Joker were you then? Like the uh, Heath Ledger, the recent the one, class? the recent one, the Joaquin Phoenix one. And even then, it was kind of like semi half-assed because I didn't get like the suit. I just like wore a black button-up with my black tie and sort of the makeup, and you know, sprayed my hair green. Do you like horror movies? A little bit. Uh, like we watched the uh, new Halloween the other night. My problem with a lot of horror movies, just for me personally as a person, I'm really like easily squeamish. So like I see the gore and stuff and I'm like, got to run. Mm -hmm. So. So you so definitely I, wouldn't do the Saw movies then. I've seen one or two of them, but I kind of like look away. Uh, I just, I can't, uh, it just freaks me out. Can't help it. Can't help it. I wish I could. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with me tonight, dude. I really appreciate it because I know we were kind of going back and forth and uh, trying to set it up. Oh man, I I appreciate it too. Thanks for having me, and we uh, you know talked about some some other stuff I haven't been asked before, so that was cool. Oh yeah, huh? No, like, I was what, just the, you know asking about crystal? the. Yeah, like like fast food, <laughs> guilty pleasures. Yeah, and uh, no, but talk about the Jurassic Park stuff. That was cool. Now I want to go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character? I guess from from that movie because I know there's so many like distinct characters, like the uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, even Samuel Jackson's in that one. Um. Yeah. I mean, I've never really had like a singled out favorite character, uh, other than like dinosaurs. I always liked that Spinosaurus in the third one also because it was just badass and yeah. killed everything. Uh, but always a T-Rex and Velociraptor. But T-Rex has always kind of been the favorite dinosaur. Yeah, but yeah, I guess in the movies, um, probably the Jeff Goldblum or the Sam, uh, Alan Grant's character. I don't yeah. know his name, Sam something. Those are probably the, the two. I think Sam Neill. Sam Neill, yeah. It yeah. took my brain a minute. I guess it sounds like you're more the dinosaurs. I was more like, I like Jeff Goldblum, so. 
Jeff Goldblum is awesome. I met him once. Oh yeah. So Shit. we were at the, uh, with faster pussycat, we were, uh, attempting to fly out to do a show in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, actually with Tom Kiefer. So that was actually where I met Higby in person. I think, I think, but, uh, that was right before COVID. It was February, 2020 and we're flying out. So in Los Angeles, there's, there's two airports, there's Burbank, which everybody loves. And then there's LAX, which sucks. So, uh, we were flying out of Burbank, but then we got there and then, uh, I guess the plane was going to be delayed and we weren't going to make our connection, which then meant we weren't going to get to the gig. Uh, we, we were flying the day before, but, uh, some, there was some whole thing, uh, we would have had to fly in on the day of the gig and they didn't want to do that. And while Tammy, Tammy is the, our, the singer, while Tammy and Chad, our drummer were up at the counter, fussing and uh, adulting that out. I was sitting with Danny, uh, the bass player. And he was just talking to this random guy because that's what he does. He talks to anyone and everyone. He's talking to this random guy and, you know, eventually I go sit down and then the guy gets up and he's like, Oh, I, my client's here. I have to go get him. And the guy walks out and then walks back in a minute later with Jeff Goldblum. Jeff oh, Goldblum shit. was his client. Oh shit. <laughs> so Jeff Goldblum goes and checks in and does his stuff. And then when he comes to walk past us to go through security, you know, Danny says hi to his new friend that he had met. And then I said hi to Jeff Goldblum and I gave him a pick because, uh, I don't have any right here, but I have some pics that uh, I put the Jurassic Park logo on. And I gave it to him. And I was like, oh, man, I'm just a big fan of the movies. And he was like, oh, he's holding it. He's like, a Jurassic pick. I'll cherish this. It was so weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was so cool. It was like, oh, holy shit, that's awesome. I'm just hearing that in uh, his voice in my head. Jurassic I know I was trying to do it but <laughs> life uh, finds a way I'll cherish this <laughs> and he put it in his pocket and he got him security so, oh cool. awesome I hopefully uh, hopefully he is cherishing it he put it up in maybe his Jurassic Park collection maybe who knows <laughs> well thanks for chatting with me tonight no problem I appreciate it it was a lot of fun Big thanks again to Sam Bam Colton for talking to me on episode 106, and I learned something as well. Don't stop recording until after you hang up the phone call. So we talked about 20 minutes off air, and we talked more about his playing with Josie Scott and sharing the stage with a lot of his influences like Shine Down, Three Days Grace, and Breaking Benjamin. So it's kind of cool that he's come full circle in that aspect of his career. So thanks again to you for listening and Sam for talking to me for another episode of A-Sides. I'm on the lane.